We're back in the war room to decide who won this week's Wednesday Night War between AEW Dynamite and NXT. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti for the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. We'll start off with big news coming out of both shows. For AEW, it is that Cody Rhodes is back after a five-week hiatus. And for NXT, we have a new number one contender for the NXT Championship, and that is Kyle O'Reilly. He wins the Gauntlet Eliminator after getting past Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Kushida, and Timothy Thatcher. Ralph, which one of these two bit of news are you more surprised about? I think I'm actually more surprised that Kyle O'Reilly is the number one contender. I got to say that going into that match, while I wasn't necessarily high on any of those individuals, because I really don't buy any of them as legitimate contenders to actually dethrone uh, Balor as the champion, and I, I, I still don't think O'Reilly is going to beat him for the title. I thought the one that had the best chance at doing it was Thatcher, of winning that match, going on, facing Finn Balor. I felt like he was really the one that was going to do that. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, I mean, he, he's been great in his role in Undisputed Era, mostly been utilized in tag team matches, but ne- not necessarily uh, really played a prominent role in the, the singles division. Uh, so him going on and facing Finn Balor in you know, what, what is probably going to be the main event of the night at TakeOver, that's surprising to me. I'm, I'm not necessarily disappointed because I think that that's certainly going to be a very good match. Uh, and he probably had one of his better outings last night. He's always very good in the ring, so not taking any credit away from him. It's just surprising to see him go from somebody who never really competes in the singles division to all of a sudden main eventing and in that that number one contender spot. Cody, it's not necessarily a a big shock to me. We knew he was going to come back. The big question was when, and he's been away for five or six weeks now, so why not now? Yeah, I think that Cody was a little bit more surprising just because we didn't really see it coming. The fact that, yes, he was injured. We knew he was going to come back. It was just a matter of when, not if. I just didn't think it would be this soon, especially with the rumors of him doing some show with Stephen Amell. He's taping this game show on TBS. So I thought his hiatus would have been a lot longer than it really ended up being. Maybe maybe after the anniversary show or show him up at the anniversary show itself. So that to me was a little surprising. As far as Kyle O'Reilly winning, I'm surprised, like you, that he won, especially because he's never been a singles competitor in NXT mostly a tag team guy. I know he's done single stuff outside of WWE where he did stuff in new Japan pro wrestling. In fact, a lot of people were talking about his match with Kushida and the best of super juniors a few years back. So he has been in singles competition. I thought out of these five, it would have been Bronson Reed to take, to take it because they pushed him so much over the summer that because he wasn't going to be the North American champion, I thought they would have catapulted him into the NXT championship scene. So that to me is the surprising part in all that, that if not O'Reilly, I thought it would have been Bronson Reed, but Timothy Thatcher also would have been a good, good selection there too. But I no love for Grimes, huh? I like Cameron Grimes, but I think at his position right now, he's used as kind of like an upper mid card jobber, which that's actually a thing folks where if he's someone below him on the card, he could beat them, but some of the higher stars, not yet. But I think his time will come eventually. I think he needs a run with the North American title first before heading into the NXT championship picture. But I, I love Cameron Grimes. I think he's, I thought his, his facials last night and his, his work 
in the match was amazing in the Gauntlet Eliminator. He did really good in that match. But, yeah, you know, and I think this whole part of what we saw with Kyle O'Reilly is kind of my first key takeaway from this show. And for both shows, really, it's just the storytelling that we've gotten from both shows have really shown in these episodes, especially NXT. You have this tease of Undisputed Era splitting where O'Reilly and Cole have acted more like faces where Fish and Strong are heels. Tonight you see, or last night you see Kyle O'Reilly winning and Undisputed Era celebrating. So I think this is kind of what we saw yesteryear with Evolution where Kyle O'Reilly might be Randy Orton. He might end up actually beating Finn Balor, get hoisted up, and Adam Cole does the thumb up, thumb down. I can certainly see that happening. I, I, as far as the, you know, Kyle O'Reilly being this individual who is supposedly going to assume this role as like a main eventer or steal the shine and the attention from Adam Cole. I don't see him beating Finn Balor, but I do think that this is eventually going to lead to Kyle O'Reilly being kicked out of the undisputed era, which, you know, I'm, I'm kind of open to that because if they're going to set up a feud between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, I'm, I'm fine with that because you know, one of the things we consistently talk about in this show is just the fact that the NXT roster is really kind of depleted and, and so many guys have gone up to the main roster that they got to start to build some of that, those people back up. They really helped. They really have, have done a good job with uh, building up the women's division every single time somebody goes up to the main roster. But they got to start developing some of these up these these upper mid carters or guys from even the tag division to to be people that you're invested in and that are going to be there on a weekly basis so they can they can uh, you know go into that main event picker. So if right. that's what this is going to lead to, I'm fine with that because I, I do think that Finn Balor and O'Reilly is going to be a really good match. I think it's going to yeah. surprise a lot of people. I agree, but like I said, there was a lot of storytelling on both shows. NXT, you have the continuing story of Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox, where Candice LeRae takes out Knox before the Battle Royal. Inside the Battle Royal itself, you have Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez sharing eliminations before eliminating each other. As I mentioned, the Undisputed Era. Velveteen Dream causing Kushida in the Gauntlet Eliminator. But also on AEW Dynamite, there was some good storytelling there as well. I love how they continued this tease of a feud between MJF and Chris Jericho with that backstage interview where they were complimenting each other. And then they're like, so why did you call me a loser? But then both of them backtrack and said, no, I wasn't calling you a loser. I was calling the limo driver a loser. I was calling Tony Schiavone a loser. I thought that was a great little segment. And Eddie Kingston, that was great because he goes from not being eliminated to now never tapping. So he's got, two things now on his plate that he can talk about as why he deserves another chance for the AEW world championship. I thought the storytelling on both shows was very good. And the progressing of storylines was amazing last night. Yeah. And you know what, not only that, but Eddie Kingston's promo while, you know, of course, one of the things that people are going to point out is look, he's taken more shots at WWE, but I didn't necessarily take it that way. Initially I was like, okay, here we go again. This is going to be the same old promo, but when you think about it, it really wasn't. He's representing the guys that never necessarily made it to that big that 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 big position, right. that big opportunity within the WWE. So he's meant to represent many of the people that are under AEW contract because you know he's trying to say, look, Moxley, you're not you're not the guy you're trying to portray yourself as. You're going you're you're coming over from WWE. You're a sports entertainer who's trying to be that guy 
that uh, you used to be, you know, down on the indie scene, whether right. that was in, you know, CZW or wherever it was, mm-hmm. um, cause, because these two actually do have history together. So Eddie Kingston is really meant to be the guy that, you know, whether he was actually ever offered a contract to WWE or not, I'm not really sure of, but he never decided to go up to the big leagues. He never decided to go up to WWE and become that sports entertainer that he's referring to. So, mm-hmm. and they actually carry that over in their match. If you notice at the beginning of the match, when they're tra- exchanging chops and going back and forth, there's actually a moment where Eddie Kingston like stops and he like looks at him and is like, Oh yeah, see, there you are. You're, you're starting to get back to your roots now. Finally. Yeah. So, um, I liked how that, that storytelling from the, uh, promo that he cut carried over into the match itself, which was, you know, a, a gritty in your face. It's a typical Moxley match. Right. Very it, little it was. Uh, mat wrestling while it had it more or less like out of the ring and all that other stuff. True. And and that Moxley versus Kingston match obviously was last minute. And another key takeaway that I want to bring in is the fact that both these shows had to do some pivoting because of recent outbreaks in both promotions. And I think they did a very good job with what they had to do. AEW, obviously, Kingston and Moxley for the world championship. The brawl happening afterwards. I thought was very well executed on NXT side. You have the tag team match, which you talk about Kingston possibly giving a shot to WWE. Well, not really. There could have been a shot for yep. NXT on, on AEW for the explanation of how the number one contender for the tag team or yeah, the tag team champions would be decided where Fandango is trying to explain it. Regal is like, I can't figure this out. It's too convoluted. The commentators are, are making fun of how this happens. So I think that was kind of a jab at how we got the Bucks versus Jurassic Express at All Out, or it was just Fandango trying to be hilarious and the pivot. Either way, the match itself was very, very good, despite you know the fact that none of these guys actually tagged with each other. They've faced each other in tag matches, but never tagged with each other, and they did a very good job regardless. Yeah, and I think it really just speaks to the level of talent that NXT does actually have there. While, you know, we talk about some of the feuds maybe being being stale or not really having that much investment in it. Uh, when it comes down to it, you need to be able to count on the wrestlers to go out there and put on a good show. You know, yep. they, they, they need to go out there and they need to be, come across as professional athletes. If they're not going to come across as professional athletes, people aren't going to watch that because they're going to think that it's substandard. So just the fact that these guys were able to go out there, put on good matches, despite not being actual tag team partners is really a testament to how good they actually are. Right. I agree. So what I already gave two of my three key takeaways. What's your first takeaway, Ralph? My first takeaway, one of my biggest takeaways was Miro looked bad in his debut and not Miro himself, but the position that he was put in, I think did not do him any favors. I don't think that match elevated anybody. I don't think Mm -hmm. that really did much for him. I think that the match itself was really clunky. And I think that they could have put him in a better match uh, to really highlight what they should have been trying to highlight all along, that he's a monster. Uh, He came out. He looks like a million bucks. He looks like he's in really good shape. He's jacked to shit. Uh, so he, he looks like a guy that you're supposed to care about. And he looks like a guy that can be a dominant force to be reckoned with. And he's put in this match or him and Kip, I should say, are putting this tag match that in my opinion, way too many botches, really yep. convoluted spots went way, way, way too long. At one point, Miro tagged in around the four minute mat, a four minute mark. He tags in only to be tagged out in literally three seconds by Kip Sabian. So now not only are, are the fans kind of wanting to see Miro 
and, and get a taste of, of what he's going to be like in AEW, he tags in and then, you know, he automatically tags right back out. Why not let Kip, Kip get beat up or whatever the case may be and eventually yeah. mirror into the match later on when the fans are really, really hot and want to see it? I don't know why they decided to do that. Um, the other thing I want to point on is this. So this is going back three weeks ago now where I said that I didn't feel I felt like Chris Jericho and uh, Hager had a far too competitive match with Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. And a lot of people were commenting in our comment section saying like, oh, well, they're doing them a favor. They're letting them get their shit in. They're using this to elevate them. Okay, so we are now two weeks removed from this. Last week, they weren't even on the show. This week, they have another competitive match where they go out there and there's a ton of a ton of botches and the match just didn't come across well. So they lost right. again. So if they're eight and three, a majority of those wins, if not all of them, had to have happened on dark. Am I wrong in saying that? Because I can't remember any legitimate wins. They've been racking them up on dark. So knowing that, knowing that they've all happened on dark would lead me to believe that you're really not supposed to care about this tag team all that much. It's not like they're being featured on a weekly basis, getting big wins like the Young Bucks, like FTR, like Jurassic Express, whoever you want to call out. They're not going out there on a weekly basis. So me criticizing them in that spot specifically has nothing to do with me not liking Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss and everything to do with the fact that they should just not be having competitive matches just for the sake of having competitive matches. Right. We had the same conversation going back when Kenny Omega had a meaningless competitive match against Alan Angels. And everybody said, well, they're going to use this to elevate Alan Angels. Where is he now? He's in the dark order. And I think he's like number 69 or some stupid five. shit like that. Nobody he's knows five. who he is. He's five, five he's six, five. seven, eight. Who the hell knows? Pi equals MC, whatever. Who gives a <laughs> shit? But anyway, math is not my strong suit, so we don't need to get into that. But any, my main point is this. Look, if people are going to try to call out the fact that, uh, you know, they're going to use a competitive match to elevate somebody, you might want to try to elevate that tag team because they're certainly not doing that with Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. I think a better use of Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss would have been this. Have Miro come out, have him have a one-on-one -on -one match with Joey Janela, who takes great bumps. He sells really well. Let Miro and him have a five-minute match where Miro can get his shit in and look good, and that would have done a hell of a lot more to elevate Miro where this did nothing for anybody but make them look bad, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's kind of an overwhelming critique that I saw on social media was this match was too long. There were botches. It just wasn't a good match. And I think there's a lot of promise in ring-wise for Sonny Kiss. I just see a lot of greenness with Sonny Kiss. You know, some people might not like the character in the ring. You know, it's not the first time we've seen an androgynous wrestler. I mean, you've had Goldust. You have had Adrian Street. This is, you know, another version of that. So I'm not even throwing that curveball in there that some people want to say, oh, he has no business in the ring because of that. Yeah, regardless, I think he just needs more in-ring time that maybe Dark would help him with. Putting him on national, eh, it, 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 it's hard when you got to hide the greenness. You got to attenuate the strengths and hide the weaknesses. And I don't think this really did a good job for anyone in the match really like you like you pointed out so but i will admit while their show opened up with a very you know mediocre match i'm gonna say the same for the battle royal on nxt that battle royal was not good in my opinion you have like 20 people in there 10 of them you don't even know their name and if they had a name it was like 
a mononym like Emily or Ellie or uh, Catalina. And just just to put over like three people, Raquel Gonzalez, Rhea Ripley, and Candice LeRae. Why not have a Fatal 4-Way match instead, instead of just having this Battle Royal, which we saw like six months ago, the same thing. So both shows, I thought, started off very bad, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And even if they went to just decided to go with the fatal four way approach, you still could have ended up doing Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley after that and set mm-hmm. that that feud up, which, you know, that feud's fine. I I I I I would have hoped that Mercedes Martinez stayed in NXT, but it looks like she's unfortunately um I don't know, maybe they'll call her uh cat litter or something like that in in retribution <laughs> yeah. so unfortunately she's one of the mass members am i wrong she's in retribution she so is in retribution yes yes she is her yeah, and me so and we'll call her kitty litter okay all right what's your next takeaway ralph this is going to shock a lot of people and it might shock you my big takeaway for the oh, week no. i feel bad for orange cassidy show's over I folks conf- show's over Sympathy for in. Orange. I feel, I feel bad. Sympathy for Orange Cassidy? No. Explain yourself. Well, I'm gonna use this as a moment to gloat a little bit. <laughs> it's self-indulge in my my wisdom and my predictions and the direction of a one Orange Cassidy because I remember going back right after All Out, right after that first Dynamite. I said, look. He has these two wins over Jericho. They're trying to present him as this more serious guy now. And mind you, I said that they were going to have to try to present him as a more serious guy and not necessarily the king of sloth style like they they presented him on the indie scene because that's not going to work for the majority of the casual fan. It divides too much of the wrestling community fan base. Now, since having those wins now, three weeks removed, Having those wins over Chris Jericho, which again, all the fans, oh, well, he's using it to elevate him. Where is the elevation? Where is the follow-up? Where is the capitalization on the wins with Chris Jericho? So after having that win in the Mimosa match, he now has a win over Angelico. We have not seen Angelico since that. Mind you, he's a, a tag team guy who's competing in the singles division. So everybody said, I said, oh, okay, all right, well, we'll wait and see. Let's see what happens. Following week on Dynamite, he jumps out of the trunk of a car. He does not have a singles match. This week, he goes and competes for the TNT title and now has lost to a top-tier talent who I said, I asked you this, I said, do you see him going out there and being any of the top-tier guys within the singles division after this win over Chris Jericho? We unanimously agreed. No, we don't see him at that point yet. So I ask you again, why have him go over Chris Jericho if they're not going to do anything with him? To this point, they have not done anything as they have not capitalized on that win over Chris Jericho. So I am just a little confused and I might sympathize just a bit with Orange Cassidy. So I guess long story short, I was right again. Well, they did give him a TNT championship match. So it's not like there's no plans for him whatsoever. And he did have a, a good comeback sequence in the match. While most of the match, he was getting beat up and, you know, the dark order was interfering. So he didn't look the greatest. However, I don't think this necessarily buries him either. So let's not get, let's not jump the gun and, 
say, oh, Orange Cassidy's buried. And I'm not saying that's what you're saying either. But this match, for what he did, and I, I actually like the play kicks in this sequence because Brody no-sold it and then just obliterated him with an attack. That's how that that's how that sequence should be done. Get the wrestler pissed off and then just have him get thrown around for 10 minutes. And that's what it did. I think that actually was very good. So maybe this leads Orange Cassidy to think, you know what? This is probably a bad idea. I should not do this anymore. So I, I will challenge you on this point and this point alone. While I, I, I don't think losing, there's no shame in losing to Brody Lee. There's certainly no shame in, in challenging for the TNT title and having him not win that, you know, right. but the argument or the counter argument, I should say to that would be this. He challenged for the title. They're probably not going to follow up on that with having him challenge for the title again, at least not anytime soon because Cody's back. Right. We saw that promo. We saw that promo from Brody Lee right after the match. We saw yep. Cody's back. So that leaves him again. He has he, he off his off his feud with Jericho or coming out of his feud with Jericho. He does not have a meaning meaningful feud that they are trying to capitalize on with him after having those wins. So if they're going to use Chris Jericho or those wins against Chris Jericho to elevate him, that's fine. But don't let too much too much don't let too much time go by before you actually try to do that. It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And that's the point I was trying to make from the beginning. Okay. You had him beat Chris Jericho. Well, now what, where is he going? Who is he feuding with? What is going to get him to that next level? And if he's not going to get to that next level, if you're not going to try to push him into that point where he's going to be a main eventer or upper mid Carter, why have him beat Chris Jericho and have Chris Jericho look like a fool for that matter. So, right. And speaking of Jericho, that, that segment that we got with him and Matt Hardy and private party, that might have been the worst segment of the night. That was not a good segment with Chris Jericho last night. I mean, it felt like Hardy, he didn't seem all into it. Jericho felt like he was mangling in. Private Party, yes, they did their best, but obviously they got to work on their mic skills. Not a good segment at all, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I was just confused because, again, didn't two weeks ago Matt Hardy come out and say, you know, I'm going to take some time off, go away, and I'll come back when I'm ready? And he's been on every episode of Dynamite since. So well, he's like, not wrestling. He's just, he's no, healing he's not up. wrestling, but either way, it, it just wasn't a good segment, but my last key takeaway from both shows, Ralph is who is returning to NXT. So there's this video package talking about paper champions and teasing a return at takeover, which I believe is just called takeover 31 at this point. There's no little side subtitle yet, but who do you think it's going to be? Is it uh, is it going to be a former NXT champion, a former women's champion? Who do you think so far? Um, I, I I think that so correct me if I'm wrong. Samoa Joe held the NXT championship twice. Correct. Is that right? That is correct. I think it's going to be Samoa Joe, and I I think that because if you listen closely, even though the dialogue was a little kind of messed with the audio, the audio was messed with a little bit. Yep. I think he, they say something along the lines of the titles have been uh, vacated or something for far too long. And I'm back to claim mine or something along those lines. Yep. And Samoa Joe comes to mind. I, 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 I don't know if it's going to be somebody debuting. No, it won't unless, be a debut. It's you know, definitely I, a return. I don't know. It's definitely so a return. I, I think it's Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is one of the three that I have for returning NXT champion. The other two are Bobby Roode, which a lot of people have starting to talk on social media. Where's Bobby Roode? Where's Bobby Roode? The other one, we haven't seen him, it seems like, in 
a year and a half, two years. Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas at one point was the longest reigning NXT champion. Another guy that just did nothing in the main roster. Yes, he had his run with the B team, but Curtis Axel's gone. So where do you put Bo Dallas if he's still with the company and wants to be on TV? Maybe this is a new character change for him. And I mean, I think the only thing that makes me believe it could be Dallas is the person in this shot is a lot smaller than Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe. So I'm thinking maybe him. If it's a woman, if it's a former woman, Ember Moon. And that is if she's healed from her Achilles injury. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I don't, not that I, not that I'm against Bo Dallas and him being successful because I, I don't want to say I don't want him to be successful in the company, but I think the last thing NXT needs right now is to bring somebody who failed or wasn't positioned correctly on the main roster and bring them back down to NXT to say, Hey, you couldn't really necessarily make it on the main roster. We're going to bring you down to NXT to be a top guy. You know, they, they did that kind of, they kind of like doing that with Breezango right now, Tyler Breeze and, um, Fandango, you know, Fandango. So, I don't know. Do we really need to see Bo Dallas and the, that that if if he's truly coming back to try and claim a title, do we really need to see Bo Dallas main eventing? I don't want to see that. Maybe, but I mean, we'll find out a week from Sunday at Takeover Thirty One. Yeah. But last takeaway, Ralph. Uh, my last takeaway would be uh, FTR. I do like that little uh, thing that they're going to try to do that stipulation that they're adding in there. The 20 minutes of fame. I think they called it the br- 20 brush of tw- 20 minutes. Brush to, of greatness. Of, uh, brush brush of, greatness. of greatness. Yeah. I, I like that little stipulation that's added in there. Um, just add it adds to their arrogance and the fact that they're trying to come across as very cocky. Like whoever we're going to challenge, we're going to pick the opponent and they're lucky to even be in the ring with us. So uh, I like it. I think that, you know, for some of these tag teams that work a quicker pace, this will give them the opportunity to work at that quicker pace because it's not necessarily a longer ta- uh, tag team match. There's a 20 minute time limit. If you don't beat us, we get the win. So yep. I imagine that, you know, some of these top tier tag teams, maybe some of the higher ranked tag teams will ultimately end up, you know, losing in that situation without truly losing. So um, just adds to the arrogance of FTR. So I, I, I like that. I like yeah. where they're going with them. I, I like the concept and I think that's a great execution. I personally would like Tully to talk more because I don't think Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler are the best promos. And Tully obviously can talk a lot better than they can. So the more you could get Tully on the mic, I think the better it is for them. I do like best friends coming out saying we're the number one contenders. Let's go. And FTR walking out. Yes. It's a WWE move, but it works for FTR as heels. It works for them. Also play into that. We also have the tag team splitting up of hangman page and Kenny Omega, where hangman is continuing to have singles matches, but Kenny is refusing to have tag matches with him, saying that he wants to be a singles man. So what do you think happens first? FTR drops the titles or we see Kenny in a singles match. Cause it seems like they're really prolonging Kenny's first singles match for the, for the love of God, please put Kenny in a singles match so we can stop putting him on commentary because that <laughs> is not a good role for him. He is not, he's not, look, 
in New Japan Pro Wrestling, he cut a lot of really good promos and he was extremely charismatic. And that's where I want to see him. That's what I want to see from him. Yep. He is not good in that commentary role. I no. don't think. And they don't and need I think four people, people on commentary either. They don't need four people on commentary. So I, I will agree with you on that. But before we decide which show is better this week, let's go over the ratings. They are out this week. They were pretty much the same. AEW Dynamite did go down slightly to a 0.32 in the 18 to 49 demographic, which does beat NXT's 0.18, which was the same as last week. AEW was the same in the 50 plus, a 0.32 for them. NXT was up slightly with a 0.37 in the 50 plus. AEW Dynamite did lose total viewership a little bit to 835,000, while NXT went up slightly, 696,000 total viewers for that. So with that said, Ralph, which show do you think was better this week, AEW Dynamite or NXT? I, th I think Dynamite was good in the sense that it had some pretty good segments and surprises. I thought Cody coming back was certainly a good surprise. I think Brody Lee cut a fairly decent promo. I think the main event certainly delivered on Dynamite. Uh, I was let down by Miro's big debut match. Uh, I I'm going to give the nod to NXT this week because I think it did more than enough to progress storylines. I like the surprise and intrigue of Kyle O'Reilly. And you know what? Honestly, between both shows, I felt like they had the best main event. I thought that match was awesome. I thought mm -hmm. that the, 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 the match itself to close the night on NXT was very well done and honestly surprised me. What you saw there was, again, some of the talent who isn't necessarily positioned as main event talent stepping up and delivering main event caliber, caliber uh, a match. So I, I, I think NXT was the better show last night. Right. I, I'm going to agree with you. I think the best match, though, went to AEW with Moxley and Kingston. I think the best newsworthy moment was Cody returning. But I think the fact that we had arguably the worst match of the two shows with Janela and Kiss versus Miro and Kip Sabian, and also the worst segment with the Matt Hardy private party inner circle segment, I, I think that really hindered the show. Now, both shows were very good and did great progressing storylines. But after the, the battle Royal for NXT, I had no problems with the show. I think they flowed much better in their two hours than AEW did, but I think they had more peaks and valleys. NXT had more of a stability when it came to their two hours. So I'm going to agree with you this week and it's going to go to NXT for me, but let us know in the comments, which show you thought was better. Which show was it AEW dynamite or NXT? Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPV podcast. And to join the conversation, subscribe, hit that bell for notifications. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the squared circle psychobabble.